Hey everybody, this is Cade Lothbrock, the Deathmatch Death Asgardian. Can't even say my own damn name, but you're listening to the Three Count Podcast. Well, now, by this time, when you hear this kind of intro, it usually means one thing. This is now Entry to Ring 201, and that means one thing. We bring back people who we had great conversations with, and in this case, you guys can see the man right next to me. He is the Nordic god himself, and he won't tell you he is one, but he is one. All right, you guys can find this man at Tesla's Friend. You can find this man up and down from... New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware. I feel like I see you everywhere, man. I'm not even going to front. Like, it's just you just keep popping up with more and more places that you're attending. You know, he is the great and powerful Cade Lothbrock. What's going on, man? Not much, man. I definitely appreciate you coming back on our show and, like, having this conversation with me. I'm hyped for this. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime. Yeah. So, hey, so let's let's hop into this thing because, like, the one thing I definitely want to talk about, right, is that – You've gone through this incredible journey of like, you know, getting in, getting physically in shape and getting yourself uh, prepared to do more. And I remember like I was reading, I think it was like when your Facebook post or maybe it was like a Twitter post or something. But it was like uh, you were talking about how back when you were a lot bigger, right, like you had all like this protection around you. And now that you're kind of like, you know, getting down from I think you would, would you say like 400 and now you're down like Uh, the heaviest I ever was was like 390 so i mean yeah basically 400 it was technically 398 but i mean what's a pound or two right at that, that, that point <laughs> but then like you're down to like what two uh, what, 250 on a good day like 248 on a bad day like 252 you know i'm, I'm in that that range so it's about 150 pounds give or take you know i mean you know um yeah i mean it it, it was uh i tell people all the time um you know, the, the pandemic, it, obviously, it sucked for everybody um, for multiple reasons. But, you know, as maybe as weird or twisted as it may sound, for, for me, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because, you know, um, being the size I was at and not being, you know, not being able to, you know, not working the shoot job or being on the road for wrestling, I'm home. So, well, you know, now I wound up cooking a lot more for myself, you know. Um, and then basically it was either – you know, you, you sit at home, you know, I think everyone at the, at the beginning of the pandemic was like, oh, I don't have to work for a week or two. This is great. You know, all of a sudden, two weeks turns into a month, turns into, you know, all of a sudden I find myself, I've been at home for like two months. So I was bored. I was like, I need to do something. So just went ahead and I was like, all right, well, started going to uh, the local park and the trails and me and my girlfriend at the time now fiance you know we just started doing like a half mile and then started doing like a mile and just started walking and then as soon as the gyms uh opened up uh, that was you know I was right back into the thick of it um my whole the whole weight loss thing um in 2016 uh, I got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and I wasn't at my heaviest you know I went through went through a bad breakup the whole nine I was drinking a lot taking pills you know you know doing things I shouldn't have been doing. Um, and I blew up to about 340. And I got what's called ketoacidosis, which basically it's like, I don't know if you know anything about like diabetes or blood sugar or stuff, but like your blood sugar is supposed to be like 100 to like at most like 160, 170 is pushing it. My blood, my blood sugar was like 600, which is like teetering on. So basically what ketoacidosis is like your blood basically turns acidic from like, I guess all the sugar and stuff that's in it. And cause your body's not processing it, basically poisoning yourself. Um, so long story short, went to the, you know, went to the hospital and uh, the doctor's like, you're type two. Uh, now I found out after reconnecting with my dad for the past few years that he's type two and uh, my grandfather was, um, but type two. So, you know, basically he's like, you got to change your life. Otherwise you're not going to make it. And then, you know, Started to lose some weight, but not where I needed to be. And then, like I said, the pandemic ha- came along and, you know, just kind of put my nose to the grindstone. And and um, literally, I, I would say about it, it was probably about a year, year and a half um, to where I'm at now. Uh, the lowest I got down was 237. And I just didn't like the way I felt. I was like very, you know, I mean, it was healthy. 
Um, the big thing for me, the whole goal though, at this entire time was not about wrestling. It wasn't about anything other than I want to be uh, type 2 diabetes free. And last year, October of 2022, I was officially declared uh, diabetes free. So, yeah, that, that was like the big thing. Um, and then so going back to it, you know, like I said, I, I, I had an alcohol addiction. Um, and then once I stopped drinking, well, then that addiction transferred over to food. As any addict could tell you, you know, you just trade one, you know, yeah, the, the alcohol is horrible, but you just traded that addiction for food, which is safer. But then you become, you know, all of a sudden you're, you know, you're at McDonald's. Plus, you know, man, being on the road as a worker, you know, you're not exactly finding, you know, the greatest food. It's either, I mean, let's be honest, dude. I don't think many of us want to be eating a protein bar from 7-Eleven or Sheets or whatever, at, you know two o'clock in the morning, you grab yourself a McDonald's taco, Bell, whatever it is. And then you hit the road. So like I said, man, you know, food, alcohol was my addiction. Then it became food. And now it's the gym, which again, as better as it is than the other two going, being in the gym all the time, anything in large quantities is not good for you, you know, but uh, for me, the gym um, is not just my health but also uh, my mental health. It's been a big, like, if I don't go to the gym, my fiance will contest to it. If I don't go to the gym uh, in the morning, I'm off the entire day. I'm, I'm, I'm moody. I'm this and that. It's, you know, like I go to the gym, man. I I, uh, I have my, my pre-workout, which is, um, I, I, I am a big proponent of uh, Eddie Hall, Brian Shaw, which are a world okay. man. Uh, Eddie Hall's from Europe. So their measurements are in uh, metrics. So like, they don't do ounces, they do liters. So his shaker bottle is one liter. So one liter of water during my workout, well, my pre-workout, that's my morning coffee. I have uh, my BCAs after that. So I'm two liters of water in. And that's like my routine. And if I don't go and do my routine, I'm completely off for the entire day. Yeah, I, I 100% hear that. I know for me, like, I, and it sounds funny, but I was, uh, my daughter was the reason why, like, I started getting into the gym, right? And I say, because, you know, it was back, I think it was, like, 2016, actually, now that we're, like, talking about this, like, end of 2016, early 2017, something like that, uh, she looked at me, and I kept trying to convince myself that I was, like, in good shape. I was, like, yo, I'm happy, whatever. And I was, like, trying to, but then my daughter came to me, and she was, like, daddy, you're kind of squishy. And, like, (laughs) and my wife laughed. Like, she, like, giggled, but she wasn't, like, trying to, like, and I realized at that moment, I was, like, oh, my God, like, I've become that guy. Like, I keep telling myself that I'm in good shape. And, like, so I I was, like, I got to find the gym. I got to start working out. Right? I got to get all this stuff going. And then, like, I was, like, finally, I decided, I was, like, all right, let's go get it. Right? So um, I actually had signed up for Planet Fitness. Uh, sorry, Planet Fitness. Not, not saying anything wrong with you. But as I'm signing the paperwork. Uh, this lady goes, you can't bring your gallon of water in. I was like, I don't even want to be here. So I canceled my membership like on the spot and left. And then Retro Fitness over in Catonsville um, had opened up, right? And now people are going to be like, where's Catonsville? Don't worry. One day you'll look and you'll find it. But anyway, so I, I find it. I started working out there. And that's where I was. That's where I, you know, I was going for almost like six years. And I went from being, um, and it's funny because you, you, you hit it right on the nail, right? I went from being like 236 down to like 177, right? And I had the, I, I thought I liked the way I looked, but then like people were like talking to me and they were like, hey, I think you might be sick or I think you might yeah. have cancer or you're saying like the craziest shit. And I'm like, yo, oh my God, like I've gone, like I'm too skinny. So I like started adding weight back on. I went from like 180 to like 210. And I was like, I hate how I feel. So like, I started like trying to figure out that balance point of where I wanted to be at. And so once I got to like one, like in that 190 to 195 shoot for those promoters out there who keep asking me, uh, that was like, this is where I'm meant to be. It's like in this, in this zone, I feel like healthy. Plus I feel like I'm so kind of strong and I don't feel like people look at me like, Oh, he must be going through something, some kind of sickness. Cause he looks really thin. I'm like, yeah, stop it. <laughs> dude, I'll tell you like, um, I mean, I don't know about you, but like me, myself, um, you know, being uh, turning 35 in a couple weeks, uh, 36, I'm 35 now. But like I come from that generation of like, you know, I, I guess you, you didn't really, you know, at least for me, you, you didn't really, um, you know, guys didn't know. For example, my, my stepfather, um, as much bad stuff I could say about him, the one good thing he did instill was a work ethic in me. And he was the type of guy that if he was sick, 
he, you know, this dude, I remember he cut his leg with a sawzall and uh, literally just threw super glue and then wrapped it in a electrical tape and kept working. So like I came up with that mentality. So you didn't speak about how you felt, you, you know, there's no excuses being sick. So, you know, look, I think a lot of us deal with, you know, um, mental health issues and, and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, like I, I, I get anxiety, I, you know, and honestly, my fiance is a big part of me, um, you know, being able to open up about it, but body dysmorphia for me was a big one. Like, I, you know, even at my biggest, I mean, I was big, I was, like I said, I was, I was 400 pounds. I was obviously overweight. I was a fat guy, but I was never, and I don't know why, whether my, my bone structure, genetics, whatever, I never was a guy that was, um, I, I, I don't know how to say it. Like, you know, you see some guys and they're just like sloppy fat, I guess you could call it, if you will, yeah. you know, and then there's guys out there that are um, like a guy like, like Otis, for example, from the WWE, you know, he's definitely not, in my opinion, like, yes, he's, he's obviously a large guy, but he's not, um, I don't even know who to comp- compare it to, like uh, the revolting blob from uh, Billy Madison, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> solid fat. And, like, and I always was like that, you know, I always had a big gut and everything. So I was lucky in that aspect where I was like, okay, I'm, I, I'm on the scale of saying, you know, 390, whatever, but I'm looking, I'm like, I look okay. And then I see photos now and I put those side by sides and I'm like, why the hell did anyone let me wrestle? Like, holy shit. Like, you don't realize it. And now I'm at the point where like I was weighing myself every day, man. It was bad. Like, honestly, God, it was like, if I went up like a pound, I was having like, I'm like, I'm not eating today. Um, yeah. And then like, you know, I went down two pounds. I'm like, all right. And then the next day I went back up two pounds, you know, and then learn, you know, again, like I've always worked out. I always was um, into sports and athletics, but there's a science and there's an art and there's a way to, you know, you like, you don't realize that you could gain six pounds just in water and that six pounds can just sit in water. And then the next day you could be down six pounds and you could be up. So like, you know, to find where you are, that's why I tell people like, oh, I'm like 240 something, 250s and then muscle, you know, then, then all of a sudden, like I said, I got down to 239 and then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, how am I pushing 255 again? But then I'm like, well, you're in the gym, you're working hard, you change up your routine, muscle weighs more. There's so many different things, but it's that, that um that mentality and like you said like people come up to you hey are you sick are you okay you don't look right what's going on with you but in your mind you're going to the gym and you're busting ass but now people are going like man you you don't and then that puts it into your head like wait a minute do do i not look good so it's just all these things and it's the weirdest things man because like my girl can tell me till she's blue in the face or my stepson you look great you look you're so much in shape and it's all and don't get me wrong you know it's very much appreciated but if some dude at the gym comes up and goes, yo, bro, you're looking great. You're looking jacked. I will carry that through the whole day. <laughs> Cause it's a straight, it's just, a, and it's just like in wrestling, you know, you could be told by your peers. You could be told by fans. You could be told by so many different people, bro. You're amazing. You're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. And it takes that one person to go, ah, you suck. And that sticks with you. And I don't know why, I don't know why we put emphasis on things that are in people that, I mean, at the end of the day, okay. But I have, I have 10 people telling me I'm great. But I have one person telling me I'm terrible. I have, Everyone telling me you look great, and I have one person say, "Ah, you still look fat," and that one comment sticks, and then it kicks in that that mental body dysmorphia, and then you just, you know, it sucks, dude. This mental yeah rough. Oh yeah, I you know I my my uh, my PTSD and my anxiety like switched from being like my PTSD obviously related to like the things like are in the military, and then my anxiety. It's just like it's just all over the place, and like even to this day, like and I tell people, I look in the mirror myself. I look myself in the mirror, and I'm like, bro, you kind of look a little heavy today, today. And I know I'm not, but it's just because of the the past images that I've had ingrained in my in my mind based on photos that I took. I was like, oh wow, mm-hmm. like I'm I'm, and I know I'm not anywhere close, but in my mind, I'm just like I keep I keep seeing that person. I'm like, yep. yo, I just got to, I got to keep working hard. I got to keep doing it. I, I totally understand because there, there are times where like, I'm so afraid of going back to where I was. Like people get, like, a lot of people do get annoyed with me. If you follow me on social media, there's a lot of my gym posts. And a lot of this stuff is not just for, other, you know, for people, for me to be like, Hey, look at me. Um, Cause I'd be lying if it wasn't a part of that. Um, it's also for other people that don't think that they could do it because I was always one of those people like I can't do it, but it's more so for me going, remember where you were and this is where you are and it, you're not going to go backwards. So it's like my own different way, but dude, I like, I mean, going back to the bias more if you bro, like I'll buy a shirt and it will, 
it will be it will be snug. It look like a blouse. Like it will not button up here. Buttons around my 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 waist and my stomach, like no problem. But up here, because you know lifting weights, and like I'll have to go from an XL to a two X, and I like have like a mental breakdown. But it's because you know your your body's growing and, and the muscles and all that. It's just it's the best and worst thing about working out. Yeah, I know. I noticed for me, um, like I would like I have a two XL T shirts, right? And my dad gave me a 2XL and I was like, yo, I can't fit into this 2XL because like in my mind, like a 2XL tells me that I'm getting fat. Right. So I put it on and stuff and it's, it's, it's a loose. Right. And my dad's like, well, you got broad shoulders. You should be able to fit in a 2XL. I'm like, that's not the point. <laughs> so like I started wearing XLs, but then I started realizing the XLs were fitting too loose as well. So I was like, well, let me grab, let me start wearing like the shirt I'm wearing right now is a large. And it's loose. And I'm like, oh, I've definitely shrunk it to a medium. And like, I was like, now nah, I can't have this. Now it's like, now I look in the mirror, I'm like, I got to work on my chest and my shoulders and my arms. I got to get them big. I got, you know, I got to do the JR thing. Nobody cares about legs, even though I work my legs every day. It's like, nobody cares about legs, big chest, big arms. That's what people <laughs> want in the wrestling business. Like, yo, and I, <laughs> yeah. No, I, for so me, man, like um, for the longest time, I was still buying like 3X and 2X shirts. Cause that's all I, I was like, I'm not going to fit into this. And then finally my girl was like, what are you doing? I got to, she literally threw out all my clothes and I had to buy everything. And um, everything now is, is literally the biggest size I wear is an XL. Um, I have a few larges and then all, you know, like I literally like 150 pounds is basically a, a person, you know, and it's just crazy to think that that's what it was, but yeah, it's, uh, it's the best thing that ever, I ever did. And it's like my new addiction. You know, that's where I, I enjoy it almost as much, if not more at times than actually wrestling. Oh, yeah. It's it. it so it's become like it's funny because you talk about that being a your addiction. Because I know like me, like I kind of went through all those little phases, too. Right. Like bad breakup happened. Like when I was deployed, bad breakup happened, come bad, bad thing, more bad things happen. And I started drinking. I got into drinking like heavy. And then like I kept convincing myself like, oh, I, was like, I can just have two drinks and it'll be fine. But the problem was like I'd buy like a six pack a week and then like finish the two bears within a week. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't I, even if even I've convinced myself that this is, this is OK, it's not healthy. It's like I'm literally buying myself shit to like yep. poison myself with. And I was like, well, beer is bad for you. So let me go get tequila. So I'm like, why am I still drinking tequila? So yeah. once I got into the gym, my addiction became the gym. But what came out of that, though, and this is something that I kind of want to also talk about. Right. Is that not only did I went to go from looking good. Right. My trainer. Well, not he's my he's also my boss. Hi, Bruce. I know you watch every episode. So uh, Bruce was telling me he was like, hey, man, uh, you're at a point now that you look good. He's like, now we need to ch shift your mindset from looking good to being an athlete. And so we started working on new programs and stuff for me to like ex to do more things. Right. Because I'll be real. Like I'm 190 pounds. Right. And I think I'm pretty solid as far as like in shape wise. But I was like. Now I want to work on other things. And so I brought Bruce with me to one of our shows, uh, one of our wrestling shows over at EWA in, uh, in Bel Air, right, Maryland. And so while he's at the show, he's like, I see all the things I need to fix for you. He's like, we got to work on your explosion. We got to work on your uh, – he's like, not even just your endurance. He's like, you're pretty good at your endurance as far as, like, the match went. What I saw, he's like, but your explosion and your quick steps have mm -hmm. to pick up. And so, like, now he's, like, changing the program up on me. And, like, I see already after, like, three weeks, I just see, like, a huge change and just, like, how my body responds to everything. And I'm, like, it's insane to think about, like, hey, you – now instead of doing, like, hey, you got to do deadlifts all day. Now it's, like, hey, do snatches instead. I'm, like yeah, – I was about to say, I I am um, – so, I, like I said, I, I'm all self-taught or, you know, being in the gym and learning from the – much like wrestling, you learn from the guy – the veterans, the, the yeah. guys that have been in the gym. So – um, I've been fortunate. There's a few guys in the gym that, you know, not, not taking me under their wing, but you know, like working out next to me or see me and I've made relationships. They're like, Hey man, try it like this or Hey, try this. Or why are you doing this? Do it this way. Um, I'm also, like I said, um, I'm very, very, very big on uh, world's strongest man. Um, I love the, I, I, I just love feats of strength. Like it's just, you know, seeing, you know, any person move, you know, a thousand pounds is just to me is like, wow. Um, so guys like Brian Shaw, uh, Eddie Hall, Nick Bass, Rob Oberist, um, I'm very big fans of them. And, uh, Rob Oberist, um, he went, I believe it was the Joe Rogan podcast and basically was talking about how, uh, 
you don't need the deadlift. Like deadlift is, if you're not, so his point was, if you're not training to be a deadlifter or you just don't want, or you're just trying to be better at deadlifting, there is no real functional need for deadlifts um, on a, on a Olympic bar. Um, because it all, and if this is true, if you look at most NFL combines or pro sports, they don't deadlift because the risk to reward ratio is not worth it because anyone that's ever done a deadlift on a traditional Olympic bar will know, like you could really, really do some serious damage to you. And when I deadlift, um, I do it on a trap bar, which in, and the, the world of weightlifting and working out is so polarizing because i've had people go like well if you're not benching on a flat free weight bench and you know what what's the why would you even use a smith machine and i i just find those things like well yeah okay the bar is lighter and it's a set path but like someone for like me i have a messed up rotator cuff so i can't i can't hit heavy on my chest because of my rotator there are some listen man i i could do you know three plates um six plates sorry uh on a flat bench freeway bar right but if my ro- that's on a good day where my rotator cuff is, you know, and it, everything's aligned, it's not like that. And from wrestling, it's damaged. So I do the Smith machine. Um, I do the trap bar deadlift because I'm not as low to the ground and I'm able to control it more and it's less on my back. Um, but I also train a lot for so the way I do my thing. What I do is I do I, I lift heavy. Uh, I do pyramid um which is, you know, I, I started 12 and every set, you know, 12 and 10, 8, 6, and 4, gradually getting heavier. And the way I, you know, again, and I could be completely uh, off the, the mark with this, but the way I kind of put it into my mind is, well, I'm going to be in a match with another man, my main, or another person. I don't, don't want to misgender anybody in this day and age. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be in the ring with someone working with them. It, it, I, my goal not isn't, my goal is to have a great match, but more more than that is I want to be able to walk out with that person. I don't want anyone to get hurt. So the way I put it in my brain is that if I'm going to gradually lift heavier, I'm fatiguing the muscle more, but I'm if I'm able to control. So if I start saying like if I'm doing, I don't know, a hundred pound bench press, right? Let's say I start with that and I gradually work to 220. And I'm only hitting that for four, but I started at 100 for 12 and gradually got heavier. So to me, it's the progression of physical. You're you're exhausting the muscle and gradually getting heavier. But if you're able to control it, you have muscle control and you're able to control it. Then it translates over into a match. Um, I don't do cardio. I hate cardio. <laughs> cardio. Um, I do what I call uh, I call it functional cardio. So I do tire flips. Uh, I drag tires. I, I throw the tires over my head. Um, I, I do sled pulls. I do um, farmer's walks. I do stuff that in my mind is endurance cardio. Uh, I don't think you get much out of sitting, you know, walking on a treadmill or running. Um, and this is a straight up, honest to God truth. The way I dropped the weight, I, I, I yes, I did walk and I, and I, and we still go on hikes and stuff. But I don't really credit that to my weight loss. I think a lot of it was lifting weights consistently and changing my diet and adding in like, you know, and when I do tires and stuff, it's maybe I'll do three sets at a 250 pound tire and it's about 30 flips total, 10, you know, five up, five down. And it's nothing. It's just to get the blood pumping and the heart going. But I'm not on a, you know, I couldn't sit on an elliptical for an hour. And the people that do it, you know, good for them. You're better than me. I just. Even with a TV there, or my iPad, watching a wrestling match, or what I just, I can't. I, I I can put me in on in the woods and I'll I'll walk three miles. But sit me on a guy like a hamster wheel, I I just I can't do it. It's just it's just not for me. And uh, everything I try to do uh, to bring it back is to equate to wrestling. So um, I do do snatch and cleans. I do do power cleans. Um, I do a lot of stuff to build up on that explosion and build up that muscle fatigue. Cause like I said, my biggest thing is I want to be able to have a great match, but I don't want anyone getting hurt. And I've, and I'm sure you've seen it. I've seen guys that, you know, and, and this goes to the one of the things you were talking about, how important it is. Um, listen, there are guys that are not, that don't go to the gym that have great endurance and, and never hurt anybody. But I've seen guys that, you know, you should go to the gym because, you know, you're not protecting people. You're fatigued. So, you know, it goes hand in hand. It's just you got to put the work in. Um, and actually, one of the one of the things I posted maybe a week ago, um, 
guys, you know, guys like Tommy Dreamer, um, guys like I mean, D'Lo Brown, uh, D'Lo Brown um, Jerry Lynn, a, a bunch of people that have had prominent positions in companies or still do have always told me if you just lost the weight, you'd get a shot. If you just lost the weight, you'd get a shot. You have all the tools, you know, um, and I never lost the weight because I didn't do it for me. You know, like I was trying to lose the weight because this one told me to, that one told me to, but until I actually did it for myself because I wanted to, that's when it happened. And I think a lot of people get in that, that mindset of like, well, I got to lose weight. So I'll get a contract or I got to lose the weight for this. My, me losing the weight was basically like, if I don't do it, I'm, I'm going to die. Yeah. And I think if people can get into that mindset of like, I am going to do this because I, I want to, um, and I need to, then it happens. But if you do it for reasons that are not pure, then it's just not going to happen because your heart's not going to be into it. Yeah, it's funny. So you brought up a couple points I kind of want to touch back on, right? So I was listening to that Joe Rogan experience episode as well. And I did hear that. And I know like, I know over it, he got a lot of heat for that too. A lot, a lot of, of people were pissed about it. And I think about it too. Like when I use, I, I can pull 455 on a, <laughs> on, a st- on an Olympic bar. Nope. And with problems, let's be real. Okay. My form isn't the best at it and it's okay. At 405, my form is really good and I can pull really quick. But I love being on the hex bar because being on the hex bar, like I can I can do more stuff with it, right? So I, I won't put on as much weight and maybe I'll be at 225, but I'm also working on stuff that people aren't working. Something you can't do on an Olympic bar, right? So, so like the, on the, a, on the a, hex bar, I, I, it works more of your quads, not to cut you off. It definitely hits more of your legs and your quads. Um, you know, again, it, it, it's this gym culture is, I don't want to say toxic. I, I hate that word. I really do. But there is a, look, we're all, when you go into the gym, it's a bunch of guys and girls um, that are basically trying to, it's, it's a big peacock fest. You know, you got the young kids that go in there that don't know their ass from there, although about lifting weights. And I was one of them. And they go in there with their friends and they're trying to like, you know, I'll go on a lap pull down and I'll do, and I'm not, this is not me bragging. I'll do 170 for 12. It's a lot of weight for a lap pull down. And I see kids that are not even 150 pounds fresh out of junior, you know, junior high school trying to do 120 and they're killing themselves, but they're young and that's what they do. And then you have guys that are animals in the gym that are pushing four plates, five plates on benches for sets. You know, I think the problem with, with the gym is that you we get into this mindset of like, like I said, well, you use the elliptical, uh, not the you use the Smith machine. It, it, that's for that you know that's not really lifting. It's like, but then why is it here? You know, like, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I I hate that because listen, there there are times where like I get in that mentality of like oh, I'm not going to use this the Smith. I'm going to use a flat bench, and then you know the next day my rotator cuff feels like it's just um, in constant pain. So. Um, it's, it's, it's dumb. If you're able to do something and do it safely and it's building, who cares? And I don't, I get, I get why, you know, look, it's like I said, deadlifting is that there's a three ego lifts, right? It's the bench, the squat and the, the deadlift. Everyone wants to lift heavy at those three. So if you're telling someone, well, there's no point in really deadlifting. If you're, if you're not powerlifting world's strongest man, or just trying to be a, really good deadlifter there really is no real like there are so many machines and other exercises that will do what the deadlift does and then i've heard the you know well the deadlift works the entire body okay but is it really worth for a nine to five person to do it but if you like deadlifting do deadlifts i'm you know yeah. for any of us to tell you what not to do you can do whatever the hell you want i mean dude i've gone to the gym and see people use machines that they're not supposed to use it for that and hey if you're happy with it by all means um i just i just don't I don't get the the hate with like you wanted to have an opinion. That's one thing, but to, like to be like you're you know. And this is coming from a guy who's a you know world class athlete, strongest man, you know, few times over competitor. You really gonna tell him what's good or not? Right. Well, so so my point was with with a with the hex bar, right? Is for myself. I like jumping. Like it's one of my favorite things to do. And I, I, I'm very open about that. Right. If you guys watch any of my videos on like TikTok, whatever you'll see, I'm always jumping something. So using a hex bar, like I can control where my hands are. I can control the way I'm pulling myself. I can control my landings. You can't do that with an Olympic bar. So people watch me. I've 
and not that this is recommended, so please don't do this. But when you have 285 pound bar, uh, 285 pounds on a on a hex bar deadlift, and you are jumping with it, I don't see a lot of people doing that. You know what I mean? And it's not like I'm trying to brag about that either, but it's like I think to myself, like, hey, I'm forcing my body to exert this much energy off the ground so that when I do let go of this bar and I do the same thing, I should be getting higher, should be jumping with that power because in tr- and how's it how's it relate? Hey, when you hit an international spot and you have to jump over somebody, you kind of want to make sure you don't clear you can clear them. Otherwise, you getting hit in the dick like yeah. really hurts. Yeah, man. Like again, um, when I deadlift, like look, I, I my goal was to hit five hundred uh, deadlifting. I did it on the hex bar, and I have no real desire to deadlift again. And I didn't do it for any reason. The fact that I want to hit five hundred, and I did it. Um, I, I, I do a lot of strongman type training and lifting. Um, I've been offered to do competitions. I've been offered to go to comp, you know, amateur, very, very, very like bottom of the barrel amateur competitions. I, I just, I just enjoy lifting. I, I admire, um, anyone that gets in the gym. I mean, there, there are people that, that I watch on YouTube, um, or YouTube or Instagram. And I just, you know, there's a guy I, I posted it about maybe two weeks ago. Um, his name's Dave. He just started in the gym and like Schwarzenegger found him and was like giving him tips. And I'm like, that's, you know, he's a very big guy and he's on his weight loss journey. But it's like people like that, that motivate me. Like when I see uh, one of my, one of the guys I made online, a friend, his name is Jay. Got into a very bad car accident or motorcycle accident years ago. He's wheelchair bound. The dude goes in the gym every single day and he's sitting there in a wheelchair pushing 300 pounds on a bench. Like, Stuff like that is motivating and stuff like that. Like, that's where I'm like, there's no excuses. And, you know, people like that get it in there and people like that are doing it. Then why do you care if somebody's using a Smith or deadlifting this way or, or whatever? It's just, I don't know. I, I, I just don't understand um, the, the negativity when it comes to certain things with gym, especially in the gym culture. And it is, it is a lot like wrestling too. It's, there's a lot of things where I'm like, why are we, why are you putting so much energy towards this or that? And it's just weird. Yeah, it's funny because that's my now now that I've lost the weight, like you have become that person. Like I watch your, I look at your Facebook post. I'm like, hey yo, like he in the gym right now. I gotta be in the gym too. Like if he's working hard, I'm working hard too. You know, like, man, it, yeah, awesome. you know I, I I I get you know I I don't want to say a lot, but I I get a decent amount of messages from people like, hey, how'd you do it? Any opinions? Anything? Dude, I'm I'm not an expert. I I don't know what will work for everybody. I just know what will work for me. And if if somebody turns to me and goes, "Hey, man, uh, I started working out because of you," I mean that's cool. Um, but honestly, if they want advice, there's plenty of people out there. Uh, Tony Nice, one of my good friends, him for you know he he has his own program. Um, but I mean, I always give people advice where I can. But I'm not I'm not an expert in any means. I just know what works for me. Um, I've had people, you know, uh, just recently a wrestler named Asher Morales, who I've known for years. <coughs> He, he drove about an hour and a half just to come work out because he wanted to come work out and see what I do. So, like, that's that's what's cool. And, if, like I said, you know, I, I never thought I'd be the, the guy to make people go to the gym. But the fact that it's happening and people are like, hey, uh, you know, you're a big reason or you're an inspiration. Or, like, hey, man, I just started working out and I and I got, you know, I'm, I'm down 20 pounds and it's because of you or like, you inspired me. Like, that's, that's a lot. You know, that honestly is just as – means just as much to me as, like, a fan coming up to me or, or a young wrestler, big, Hey man, you're, you know, I watched you on this indie show and I, you know, I really want to work you or like, you inspired me. Like, it's just as cool. Yeah, I agree. I, I love like going up and like asking people for advice and stuff like that, especially in the wrestling world. Right. Because like, that's the only way we're ever going to get better. So like I, one of the things like I started doing recently was, and it was, I forget who said it to me, but when they said it to me, I was like, yo, I'm just going to go to everybody else and start saying it to them. And what they said was, uh, what are two things that I can work on, right? And it just kind of blew my mind because I was like, yo, like, that's such an easy question to, like, ask everybody. And, like, usually, usually people will have something for you. Sometimes they're going to be like, I don't, you know, I didn't get to check your match out or I didn't get to see this. This is what I think you can work on. But recently I had it brought up to me, right? I asked this question to another person. And he had told me your uh, footwork and storytelling, right? And it was one of those things where I got to thinking about, it's like, damn, like, 
the footwork I can always get with my trainer and just be like, Hey man, am I, am I in this position or in that position? Like, how can I do this? I do that. But it was a story, a storytelling aspect. I got to think about, I was like, damn dude, like I know a lot of people who are like really good at storytelling and who advocate so much for storytelling and like the art of selling and the art of like, you know, describing things. And so recently I had a practice match with one of my trainees. And after the practice match, one of my friends came to me and was like, Hey, you need to do this, 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 and this. And I got to thinking about it. I was like, man, like I didn't even set up the person I was working with for with success because I didn't think about the story that should have been put into play. Right. I was just like, we're just going to throw a match together. It's going to be like five minute practice match. And we're just going to go work. I called all the spots. Right. And we put everything together, but I also didn't think about hey, this person can possibly get lost. And this person could, you know, this, this could be, I didn't think about her character into the aspect of how the story could work. So when I got to think about it now, I was like, damn, like it's such an important part to like putting matches together. So I was like, you know, that's kind of one of the other topics I wanted to talk with you about because, you know, as a person who came from one area of wrestling into another area of wrestling, even in that area of wrestling and deathmatch wrestling, like you're telling stories. And so seeing a person who comes in and then you and I got to work, you know, back over at, uh, uh we were at iwa i was like yo let me let me work with let me talk with him because i know like he could he could shed more light on like the the art of telling a great story as far as like between two different workers uh i mean it's i i i do try to fancy myself as someone that um tries to tell a good story and, and and invoke emotions um i don't think there's any been anyone that has mastered it I do think there are guys that, that have come around. Um, two of them that come to my mind right away would be uh, number one would be Jake Roberts. Um, I think Jake Roberts' art of the way he moved and what he did and the way he conveyed it to the audience. Um, he did literally, he did nothing but got so much out of nothing. Um, and I also think that a guy like, um, believe it or not, and people are going to probably think i'm like crazy but cena um because cena did nothing but you believed into him so so there are there are great wrestlers and what i mean by that is there are guys that can go in that ring for an hour and just be a machine but there's no pizzazz to it then there are great storytellers a hogan a cena um the the it's so hard to break down and, and explain, but you know, the, 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 the gist of a story of, of storytelling is, you know, ideally it's good versus evil, right? It's if you're going into a match and, you know, for, for us, for example, I didn't know you from a hole in the wall. You didn't know me. We didn't have heat. We didn't have a program. We were coming into what is essentially a cold match, right? Well, and it's my first time there. And I believe maybe it was your first or second time there. Um, so you're established. Okay. You're, you've been established as the baby. I'm coming in as the heel. Well, what do I need to right off the bat? And, and, and this is my way of thinking for every single show I'm on, even though I can be at a company for years and years and years, I have to think that they're still seeing me for the first time because they, there's no TV. Yes. There's internet and this and that, but that, so in my opinion, you need to do something, any little nuance to establish who is the heel, who is the face, whether that is something as simple as you go to lock up and, oh, I don't want to touch you. I'm backing off. I'm between the ropes. Or it's like, come on, motherfucker, let's go. Um, but during the course of the story, or the match, you 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 tell a story. And it could be something as simple as, for example, um, we're working and you're, you're, you're up on me and then you go to hit the ropes and Foxy grabs your leg and then I cut you off. And then throughout the whole match, I'm distracting the ref and she's getting on you. She's getting on you. She's taking her pop shots. And then eventually something happens where towards the end of the match, something's going to happen where like uh, you're firing up and she hops up on the apron and you're in her face and then you move and boom, I not hit her into her and she knocks off the apron that, you know, you got your comeuppance. You, you know, she got what she got coming to her. Um, in the aspect of death match wrestling, which is a completely different uh, animal in its own right. Um, the the story should be 
the escalation of violence. Uh, now I feel like that's lost because a lot of the death matches that are done today are, for layman's terms, violence for the sake of violence. Um, you know, it it's, becomes hard when you open the match up with smashing a bundle of light tubes over your opponent's head for no reason. When when it means something, then it then it, it has impact. But when you're just doing it to do it, it loses all meaning, and then you're just putting yourself in a deeper, deeper hole. Um, when it comes to deathmatch wrestling, and, and I, you know, I look to guys like Masada, uh, Alex Colon, there's a way to slowly build and build and build and build and build until you hit that crescendo. Um, but it's an art. And I, if anyone ever uh, says to anyone, uh, like, oh, I don't need to learn how to tell a story. I, I know how to do it. No, you're always learning because there are elements and, and, and there's, you know, things you need to do and, and little nuances. And it, and it's it's the hardest thing in the world because you could go, we, we could call a match like, oh my God, they're going to, yeah, I'm going to do this to you. And then you're going to, you know, uh, you're going to fire up and then I'm going to, I'm going to pull you by your head. We could call this match and then our minds and our heads, we could be like, the crowd's going to react. And then we go out there and they're like, <laughs> um, you have to get them invested. And if the story, so this goes back to what I was saying, like you could put, I'm trying to think of two guys and I, I don't want to shit on anybody like, because I'm beyond that point in my career and my life. But um, I'm trying to think of two guys. All right, so, for example, like people think I'm crazy when I say this. I, I, I'm not a big Ricky Steamboat fan. I have, I think he's phenomenal. I think he's great. I, but he's not my cup of tea. I, th- I just think it's bleh, It's boring. I can't sit and watch. If somebody said, hey, do you want to watch Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair for an hour? I'd be like, no. Not because I think they're terrible or I don't, you know, what I, I just, I, I can't, I don't want to watch just guys trade holds back and forth. Like, like, I don't, like, that's not what I like. But if you said to me, like, hey, do you want to watch uh, Jake Roberts versus Rick Martell? And, you know, yes, because I'm compelled to see what Jake does and the nuances and the way he moves and his body language. And it, it's, it's flavor. So you could be the, like I said, you could be the greatest in-ring wrestler and you could have this fantastic like how many times have you heard fans saying like this guy can out you know on the indies this guy can go like brian danielson for example right when he was in ring of honor the dude was having stellar matches awesome matches but like at the end of the day i don't know it was just kind of like okay you're a wrestler cool like there needs to be a story why was a guy like cena on top because their story um and it's just, it's something that you need to, and, and the story could be something as simple as like, uh, for example, you know, there, there's a, a spot I like to do um, when I'm working, you know, uh, uh, like for, I think we might have even done it with you, or maybe I didn't, but it's the, um, you know, I'll, I'll get a guy in an arm ringer and then I'll pull his hair. And then he'll get back right back up, and I'll pull his hair. And then he gets it back up again, and I'll pull his hair down. And then he'll get up on the third time, armoring me, and then pull my hair. And then I flip out, and I yell at the referee. He pulled my hair. Well, I just did it three times. But that is a little bit of a story. Like, well, no. Well, now I'm. Well, I just did it three times. Well, now I'm bitching. Um, and the biggest thing I think guys happen to lose in the translation of any type of wrestling is credibility. Uh, and if you think about it, and, and and I think more so in the way indies are done now. So if if we're working right, and I clothesline you, and I drop kick you, and I I kick you in the head, and I buy slam you, and I drop an elbow on you, and you kick out on two, what the fuck does that say about me? You know, I I think there needs to be the builds. Um, it, it's it's a very hard thing to to teach and it's a very hard thing to convey because it's something that you just got to get the repetitions in and find your groove and find the nuances that that you that you do and how to apply them um selling is a big part of it too some guys like ray mysterio if you ever watch a ray mysterio match is a big uh, and i don't think a lot of people ever really notice it but the shine I, which i'm sure i'm not breaking any fourth walls here that anyone that's watching knows what a shine is um, when Ray does his shine, it's very quick. He doesn't do a long shine, and he gets cut off, and he fights from underneath because that's the story. 
He's the underdog. He's the little guy. He's constantly trying to fight back up and fight back up and fight back up. And then finally, nine times out of ten, the heel slips on the proverbial banana peel, and then Ray takes over. That's telling a story. And that's the formula for every Ray match. Once you find that formula, so for me, for example, as a babyface, as the good guy, um, and it's it was hard for me coming out of death matches full time because one, that's all I was getting booked in. People was like, I want to wrestle the death match. I want to do this. I want to have a hardcore match with, with when I was stockaded at the time. Um, but it's hard for me to get beat up. Like, let's say I'm wrestling Red Dog. It's hard for people to go, why? Why is he? He got body slammed and he's he's hurt. I I just saw him last week get slammed off the top rope through cinder blocks or through three panes of glass. So again, like goes back to credibility. I'm going to sell for red dog on a body slam, but I just saw him get slammed off the top rope from uh, Masada through a pane of glass door. That's the problem. So what I did was after I gradually started to, to slow down on that, I knew that I needed to do something where I could get sympathy because how can you get, how could someone that did all the things that I did get sympathy from getting beat up when people have seen me get beat up way worse? Like, how could you care? Oh, you got suplexed. Oh, but I saw you get thrown through a, a flaming door. I know you're going to be okay. So that is where I was like, okay, well, if I bring someone with me that the heel can put the heat on or the heel can put in a position. So that's where uh, Foxy came in and Foxy, you know, my, I, we told the story, she's my best friend and, and we've worked together for years, but Foxy also now has created the, uh, the kryptonite, if you will, because now something can happen to her where now it puts me in check where like the heel could grab her and I'm not going to go full board or they could hit her or, or whatever. And then on the other hand, I have someone where, Oh, big, bad Cade, Mr. Deathmatch, Mr. Wild and crazy, you know, badass mother effer. Well, why are you using this 110 pound female to trip a guy? So that's again. And that's where I can, you know, I, I can't teach anyone. Like, for example, I can't teach you how to be red dog and tell your story as red dog. Just like you can't teach me how to be Kate. Um, the only way, in my opinion, that you, you get better at telling a story is by watching the ones that are really good at it. So you're Jake Roberts, uh, Sneena, Dusty, uh, Raven, Taker. I mean, there, there's a litany. You just need to find the guys that you are like, okay, I, I like how this guy does. Uh, Mick Foley. There's just, you know, and you could do a whole match, man. Like, you, you could work an entire match just selling. Like, I worked a guy named Pat Sawyer. We did a last man standing. And we had, a, you know, we had a, a, a few. This was the blow off. The bell rang. I charged him. Boom. He hits me with a big boot, which is one of his big moves right off the bat. And then for most of the beginning of the match, I'm working from underneath. And it's different because no one's ever seen me in that vulnerability. And it took everything. And then the finish of the match was he kept putting me through all this punishment. I just kept getting up, kept getting up. And then finally, I hit him. You know, we did a big spot, a big DDT off the top rope through a door. But it was because he was pandering. to the, It was a slip up. And he still almost got up and collapsed, but I was able to get up. So there's just ways to do it. It's just so hard to be like, yeah, tell your story like this, because I, I don't know what Red Dog would do, or I, I don't know what Rey Mysterio would do. I just know what I would do in situations. And you have to react naturally. If that makes. I know that was a very long-winded ramble, but I, ho I hope somewhere along the way people got some <laughs> uh, knowledge out of it. It's I, and when I was training guys, man, that was one thing. They were like, well, how do I tell a good story? It's like, I, I don't, I can't, you can't, there are some things you just can't teach. It just comes with repetition. And looks, man, I, I've been doing this since 2005 in ring. I've been training since 04. There are times, man, where I watch a match I do, and I'm like, that was a great match. And I watch it, I go, I should have done this, I should have done that, I should have done this, I should have sold this. It, you're, if you're satisfied, if you go, if you watch a match yourself and go, that was perfect. You're done wrestling. Should never be perfect. You should always find something, whether it's a way you did a move, your footwork, your selling, anything. There's always something you should be able to go. I need to do that better. And that that's it, man. I mean, I wish I wish I could be like, hey, man, here's the here's the recipe for uh, 
to tell a great story, but it's there's so many intricate things that go into it, like rhymes and reasons, and it's just you know, plain and simple, cold match. If you're a babyface, sell your ass off. Make them believe you're in peril. Make them believe that you. Um, my trainer Mikey once told me sell over the top rope. Try to look at the if you can make eye contact or 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 see person sitting in the very last row and, and and you can feel like you're making contact with them well then everyone else that's in front of them is seeing that as well so if you're a baby face just make sure you're selling and you're making them believe like i like come on you guys need to get behind me and then if you're the heel slow your ass down don't worry about doing everything you need to know how to do and just be slow methodical and make sure you're you know whatever type of heel you are, you're, you're getting your heat in, whether it's your a cocky chicken shit heel and you're talking trash or you're a big brooding, you know, Jason Voorhees monster and you're just stalking your opponent. Um, but there's, those are the basic, like if, if I had to say here, here's the basic foundation, baby face sell and always show that fire and the heel, take your time and just be methodical. And that's kind of the basis I would assume. And then you just, kind of add your own flair to it. So I think like one thing that I, I started to like do, right. Is to help because you, you brought it up perfectly, right. You're talking about, you know, you're not going to be sure what Ray Mysterio is going to do. You're not sure what Red Dawes can do. You're not going to be sure what Cade's going to do. Right. I mean, even though it's, it's you, right. But no, I don't know it's something I started. <laughs> so something I started doing myself, right. Was I started, um, I got an exercise from another person. Right. And he was talking about, ask yourself questions repeatedly, but ask yourself as your character, right? Don't ask yourself as like, oh, hey, I'm Cliff. No, it's, it's hey, uh, you know, what does Red Dog prefer? Does Red Dog prefer Pepsi or Coke, right? Because like, if you're answering those questions, you're building the world around and then you're able to react the way like you're, you want your character to react. So I started thinking about those things and start adding myself those questions. And then like, now I'm like, okay, I kind of got a better grasp on who my character is, what he wants to do, how he wants to portray things. Now it's like, all right, now I got to start ask, asking other people about their characters and kind of understanding like what their world is. And, you know, when I got to thinking about it, I was like the story that I should have been telling like on like, you know, this Sunday, right. This last Sunday, in this practice match was it's her name was Taylor. Love you, Taylor. Uh, but, you know, it's pretty much like a David and Goliath story, but you got to kind of understand like, Hey, like you, in this case, I was a big baddie, but I was also the baby face while she was supposed to be the heel because her character is a heel type character. But regardless, it was like, Hey, you got to give him something to sell. And then I had to fight back, which is something that you and I talked about last year <laughs> is about the whole, like looking up and like seeing people and connecting with the crowd and stuff like that and giving them a reason to cheer for you, like to, to, you know, give you, give you that, give that support. Right. And so I was like, damn, bro, like, <clears throat> I'm falling back on these things that I haven't been doing. And in matches, live matches, I've been doing them. And I started yelling at myself. I was like, listen, and I keep telling the guys in practice, right? If you're doing this in the ring now, you're going to do it out there in the show. Yeah. So I keep telling like practice, like you're playing and in, in, you're in the real thing. So now I have to go back and reteach myself like, Hey, eyes up, look, like look over the top rope, right? Like start thinking about the things that you're doing because you want to garner all that sympathy, especially as a baby face. And then, like you said, as a heel, you just want to be a complete tool. Like you just want to be the biggest douchebag you can be. Cause again, we can talk about another match that I was in recently. Right. And I, someday I'll get that footage and I should have been recording it for myself, but I, you know, I just wasn't, but uh, in this match, I was supposed to be like the cocky ass. Like I, and I was bigger than the person I was working. I was supposed to be this cocky ass dude. And we ran this spot and I was just talking trash the whole time. And then I had my comeuppance, my comeuppance and like the crowd popped enormously for this guy when uh, I started getting beat up. And it's like, now I got to go back. I'm like, yo, okay. I got to keep like building on the things that like I've already kind of set the groundwork with and I've been excited about, but it's almost like you have to relearn your stories every single time and where you want attack points, right? Like, Something, you know, I, I should have been thinking about. And these are, again, just me kind of just like out throwing them out there, right? Uh, as I, I'm, I'm a bigger dude than the person I was working with, they should have been like attacking my leg, right? Because like that's something like that's a weak point for a taller person, right? And like those little things like matter when you want to tell the bigger picture. And so now I have to go back 
And because I've been I've been so I'm such a big advocate for learning the little things to make the bigger picture look cleaner that now I have to put that into storytelling. Like, look at the little things in the story because you want to make the bigger you want to tell the bigger story, but you want the story to stand out more. I, so like uh, now I'm like going back to try to learn that. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the issues in wrestling today, um, I think it's I, I don't want to say it's a lost art, but I think a lot of. A lot of what I've noticed, a lot of the, the newer generation of guys, and I, and I feel so weird saying that, but um, a lot of them want. The, a lot of it is also you got to remember, we, it's all about that 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 quick, like that gift or that instant, you know, boom! I hit this cool move, and it's gonna make viral videos on YouTube and stuff. A lot of people, and then I think a lot of that has also been propounded by like a lot of the TV wrestling you've seen today, like AEW. As great of a product it is, it's not a lot of real storytelling you know like not a lot of like like for example like i think the best thing in wrestling going right now is the bloodline thing um and the story they did with cody i know a lot of people are all twisted at cody to win the belt but to do with the story you gotta you know you you gotta wait let that story play out you know uh superman didn't beat lex luthor in the you know the opening of the comic book we gotta we gotta build to it but i think that's what people seem to to, to lose is like they want it now or they gotta you know they gotta get everything in like and it's it's hard because like you know you were talking about like so when I work as like a a, a baby face you know if somebody said hey like who is Cade Lothbrock as a baby face it's like well uh, he's a you know uncontrollable wild like willing to take a punch to the face to give a punch to the face and not afraid to you know abuse his body and he's this no nonsense badass um, you know and, and and that's a lot of who I am personally like. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go fight somebody, but I'm, I don't, I don't take, you know, I stand up for myself and, um, and then as a heel, you know, Kate is this, you know, evil, bitter, like I will bite your finger off and spit it in your face type person. And I like, you know, there's plenty of times when I work as a heel, like I'll, I'll stand on a guy's hand and be like, you know, like it, it's just, you find your groove and, and how to extract emotions from people. Um, you know, like, for example, you know, you were talking about how, like, you were the bigger guy. You don't need to necessarily do something with the leg. It could be something as simple as, like, you know, you miss something. And you're like, there's so many different ways to tell a story. Um, and it's just and, and it's always good to get your ideas from outside of wrestling, whether it be a movie or a comic book. Um, but like I think I think the big issue with a lot of, you know, with wrestling is that people just aren't focused on that part of it and and maybe it is due to like what's going on on tv i think a lot of people watch like monday night raw and not realize like <coughs> like six minutes and 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 a minute of that is a commercial you know like they can't tell a story on the indies we kind of have that luxury of like you got to tell that story because this is where you're getting your reps and this is where you're learning so i mean dude honestly from what you're saying like it, it you know you're you're definitely going to get there um i know you're still fairly new you know, I what happened only a few years still, right? Yeah, three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, like they they say, you know, I mean, well, hey, I, I've always heard like you don't really start to get it until you're five years in, um, and then I heard you don't really start to even understand it till you're ten years in. So you got a ways to go, but I mean, everything you're saying, and I think you have the the luxury of being someone that went through the military and have that strict training and that mentality, but also you're you're a grown adult. And I think that's why your mentality is way different than a lot of these other people, because you understand that things don't come without repetition and time. And I think that's something that I really do. And there are some guys I've met, but I think a lot of the, the generation now, the younger guys are just about like, well, I can do a shooting star. Why can't I be on the show? It's like, well, dude, it's great. You can do that. But, and and, and then, that's another thing that I know I'm going down this weird rabbit hole of storytelling and, and stuff and psychology. But like, if you give, if we, if we, let's say for example, like I, we were, we were going to work another match, right? We knew it. We were going to, we worked our first match and then we were told like, Hey, you guys are going to work one or two more times. Or we're going to break a little program. Cool. So then if we go into this match and you give me every move that you know, and I give you every move that you know, I mean, that I know, what do we do next time? And that's psychology and storytelling go hand in hand, you know? Um, and that's the thing I think a lot of people forget. Like I see these matches dude on the Indies where these like young guys, they do some shit that I'm like, dude, that's incredible. 
They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, bro, that's you did a 630 to the floor and you landed on your feet. That's awesome. What are you going to do next show now? Because where do you go from there? And that's part of storytelling. That's part of psychology is you got to know when to rev the engine and then pull it back. So I like that. I like that a lot. So uh, we're going to move this over to our second favorite segment of the three count podcast. I don't even know anymore because we have so many of these little things, but it is one of my favorite things to do. It is called pin submit day Q and here's how it works. Mr. Lothbrock, I'm going to ask you three questions, three group of wrestlers, and you got to pin one, submit one, and DQ one. All right. And uh, however you want to do it, right? So our first three, I'm glad you mentioned these names because I just want to bring them back up, right? So we're going to go with Jake the Snake Roberts. We're going to go with John Cena, and we're going to go with Mankind. Uh, Let's see. Now, are they pinning me or or is this me pinning them? Oh, you're pinning them. Yeah, you're beating them. Then yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pin Jake just because I can uh, I can I can do that. Um, I would have to DQ Foley because I think we could go with a program later, and then uh, obviously I would have to tap out Cena. That's right, we tapping out Cena. <laughs> he said, "Never gonna quit." Nah, today you will. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with uh, three other familiar uh, personality you would. Recognize, right? So let's go with uh, Odin, Loki, and Thor. Oh, Jesus. Um, I guess I'd have to DQ Odin because no one's going to beat Odin. Uh, <laughs> I guess pin Thor and uh, tap out Loki. I don't see Thor tapping out. I don't think he'll do, <laughs> I don't think he'll do the job that way. <laughs> Bet. And our last three that we're going to throw out there, right? Sonic, Knuckles, and Tails. Dude, I don't know anything about Sonic Knuckles or Tails. Um, I mean, I know who they are, but I don't know anything like other than the the movies. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pin Knuckles because he seems to be the most badass. Uh, I'm gonna tap out Tails because I think I think out of the three, he'd probably be the one to tap out first. And I probably would have to DQ Sonic because I feel like he would. Uh, maybe I don't I don't know. I just I don't really know much about it. But I feel like that that'd be a safe bet. I feel like. Going over on Knuckles, I think, would give me some credibility. Yeah, I, I like that a lot, too. Like, you know, he's like the big power dude yeah, right. anyway, and then you just yeah. shut him down. <laughs> I, said, I, I, I never played the games. I only saw the movie, so that's what I'm basing this off of. Good. I, You know what? I can appreciate that because as a Knuckles fan myself, that would be the person I would pick, too, to pin because I'm like, you know, look, I'm just trying to get you – like, just go for the three count because you are the most badass of them all, there right? And then Tails, you know, Tails would just submit because – I feel like tells his tales, and then Sonic. Of course, you got to pin Sonic because he's he's the focal guy. Like he's a legend. He's the guy. Good point. Never change. But uh, with that, man, I appreciate you coming on our show. But go ahead and let our listeners and our view viewers once again know where they can find you. Uh, Cade Lothrock on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, what's the other one? Twitter. I have a Twitter. I don't know why, but I have a Twitter. Uh, YouTube, Cade Lothrock, and then, you know, if you're in the Binghamton, uh, Center Reach, Connecticut, uh, Pennsylvania, I don't know. If you go on my socials, you'll see where I'm going to be. Uh, Foxy will be in, t- in tow, so just come hang out, you know, buy some merchandise, and hopefully we got, we entertain you and make you smile or hate us, whatever our job is that night. <laughs> so like we do with every great part of these shows and these episodes, these interviews, and like every great part of a rest match, we got to take this home. Because this is the Three Count Podcast that is now entering 201, and I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you out that mountain called wrestling. And like every good Sherpa, which I like to think I am, it's never about me. It's about who's entering the ring. So who's entering the ring? You see the man right there, the legend himself. Kate Lothbrock, and you guys know what to do. Tune in to the next episode and be there, or you're legitimately just following us on all of our social media platforms. You're subscribed to our YouTube channel. You're following us on Spotify. You're leaving us five-star fraud slash reviews that you can leave us on Apple Podcasts. You're even going on our merch store, right, whether it's ProWrestlingTees.com or even on ForYourWear.com. You're checking us out. You're leaving comments. You're telling your friends about us. You're doing all that cool stuff. Or you're really just kind of waiting for this episode to end. You're waiting for the outro. And then you're choosing another episode to listen to. Kawaii. 
What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod. Give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give us a subscribe, turn the bell on, turn on notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast and in there you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So show us some support, please.